Dealing with mess can feel like an impossible task. It just keeps coming back. Well, today we're brought to you by the organization experts, IKEA. IKEA knows we all have those areas in our homes consumed by mess, whether it be that chair that collects all your clothes or the monstrous pile under your bed. That's why IKEA makes affordable wardrobe organizers, underbed storage, and other solutions to help you easily take back that chair and conquer the mess monster under your bed. Visit IKEA to explore more. You can't afford mess, so IKEA makes storage affordable. Need help with your New Year's resolutions? Check out some new audiobooks from Macmillan Audio to help you light the fire and start your new year off right. From learning success habits to reaching the end of procrastination, these inspiring listens will help you accomplish this year's most common goals. To start listening and start doing, go to macmillanaudio.com slash start doing. That's macmillanaudio.com slash start doing. Welcome to Case Closed, a show about the times the bad guy didn't get away with it, the times the good guys discover exactly who the killer is, and how sometimes that's just the beginning of the story. I'm Charlie Spicer. When we left off last episode, Aaron Corwin had settled into life on the Marine base in 29 Palms, California. In the fall of 2013, she and her husband John had befriended their neighbors, the Malikis and the Lees, and the three couples had become very close, spending most of their time together. But by the next spring, the relationships between the trio would be changed forever, and by June, Aaron would be dead. Back in the fall of 2013, it was hard to imagine that things would end so badly. Aaron and John were finally living together as a married couple, excited to take on the next phase of life. But as they got comfortable in 29 Palms, it was clear that the young couple had much to learn about life on their own. Author Shanna Hogan explains. Aaron had gotten a big chunk of money that her mom had dedicated towards her wedding, but when she didn't have a formal wedding, her mom gave it to her to move to California. The move hadn't been cheap, but that didn't stop Aaron and John from spending more, according to Aaron's mother, Lore. You know, they got a new car, and then John bought the truck, and, you know, the more she's talking to me, I'm like, you know, you, it looks like you have quite a bit of money, but if you keep this up, you think you're not going to have anything. John also ended up buying a sand rail, which is like an off-road vehicle that you ride through the desert. And Aaron bought clothes and makeup and stuff for the house. And very quickly, that big chunk of money started to evaporate. And they faced a lot of money problems and started ringing up their credit cards. The Corwin's money troubles couldn't have come at a worse time. Aaron always wanted to be a mom. She loved kids, and she always intended to have children. I don't think they were planning on having children so early, but in January of 2014, Erin found out that she was pregnant, and she was just really overjoyed. Right away, she posted on her Facebook page an announcement that she's pregnant. She called her mom. 
she was really, really excited. And, you know, I was excited for her. Laura cautioned her daughter that her life was about to change and she'd need to grow up fast. Aaron seemed ready to take on those responsibilities. John, too, was very excited, although I think he was more concerned about their money issues than Aaron was. But in February, tragedy struck. While John was away on base working one day, Aaron started having really severe cramps, and she went down to her neighbor, Asling's apartment, and said, I think something's wrong. So we go to Glow's doctors, and at first, like, she had wanted me in the room, but they had told me they were like, no, you're not immediate family, so you're going to go out there while she, while she has her ultrasound. And they came back out, and I remember, like, I remember when the door was closed, I just heard, I'm so sorry, and I heard her start crying. I went back in and she just was like staring at me with this blank face. And then the doctor came in and was talking to her and she was like, what did I do wrong? I was doing everything I told, like, did I stress too much? Was I too uptight about everything? And she just started blaming herself. And then after that, we just went back to her apartment and just hung out, watched movies. She held my son in lap that day. Obviously, she called me, you know, I was brokenhearted for her. I knew how much she wanted to be a mom. I, you know, part of me wanted to go out there, and if she would have asked, I would have done it in a heartbeat. But I also didn't want to overstep my bounds, you know. They needed that time to work together to get through it. Trust me. My husband and I have not dealt with our children's death the same way either time. It can cause a huge wedge between spouses because you look at the other person and they're not dealing with it the way you're dealing with it. So, I mean, you have to be okay with the fact that two people do not deal the same way. Well, Bill and I have a little bit of maturity on them. But, I mean, even people that have been married as long as Bill and I, and if they have a tragedy like this, can cause a divorce between them. And a lot of it stems from the fact that no two people handle it the same way. You look at the other person and you think, well, you didn't love her as much as I did. Where, you know, that's not true at all. As Erin navigated her feelings of loss, she confided in her best friend back in Tennessee, Jesse Trentum. The pair kept in touch, texting and talking on the phone constantly. I don't think either of them were really ready. I think that's another thing that pushed John away, is that he just wasn't... She was excited about it. I really don't know if he was ready. The miscarriage sent Erin into a deep depression and exacerbated the problems she and John were already experiencing in their relationship. John was upset, too, about the miscarriage, but he just didn't show his emotions very outwardly like Aaron did. And so that was something that kind of drove a wedge between the two of them because Aaron thought that John didn't care, and John did care. He just didn't know how to show it. And so Erin felt that she was grieving more than John and that she wasn't getting the sort of sympathy and support that she needed. You know, how real is it to the husband? You 
when he doesn't even see it. But Nicole Lee could relate to just how much her friend was hurting and tried to help. While Chris was away on his deployment in Afghanistan, Nicole found out she was pregnant and also had a miscarriage. And so the way she ended up coping was seeking out comfort in this local horse rescue about a half an hour away from base. This was a very popular place where many of the military wives hung out. You could sponsor a horse for $100 a month and then have access to ride that horse whenever you wanted. You know, you came down and you fed it and you cared for it. And so it was like having ownership in a horse without actually having to pay for the expenses of a horse and a barn. And Nicole wasn't the only one for whom visiting the barn brought a sort of relief. When Chris came back from the military, he was dealing with some severe issues. He was depressed, he was drinking more, he seemed really sullen, he didn't open up to Nicole at all. And Nicole realized there was something really wrong with him and she asked him several times, like, what is wrong? What is wrong with you? And one of the things that she thought that would help him was to take him to the horse rescue. They spent a lot of time there and became pretty close with the owner, Isabel Magley. And Chris was actually known to be quite helpful at the horse rescue. He fixed up fences and helped with the barn and you know helped with anything that Isabel needed. And after Erin suffered her miscarriage, she started going to that horse rescue more and more frequently and often with Chris and Nicole. John, who was never into horses, it just wasn't his thing. And so they really didn't have that in common. So Erin started tagging along frequently with the Lees and uh, going to the horse rescue. Soon, Erin had become even closer to the Lees, especially to Chris. As Erin was grieving her miscarriage and Chris was also dealing with, you know, a lot of depression from his time overseas, he and Erin actually bonded over that sadness and became pretty close friends. And Erin found Chris to be charismatic and funny and open and someone who talked about his feelings, and that was very unlike her husband, John. As they became closer and closer friends, some of their friends started to notice that the relationship seemed way too chummy. We were outside one day, and I think I just, like, picked up on the fact that, like, she was giggling at everything he said, and, like, the two of them were looking at each other, and, like, just something didn't feel right. And I said something to her, and was like, what's up with this? Like, what's going on with you two? And she was like, oh, yeah, like, I think he's cute, and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, you know, not my place to judge. You're just thinking that someone else's husband's cute. Isabel Megley noticed one day that Chris and Aaron were sitting way too close to each other and Aaron was laughing and giggling and Chris was flirting and it just seemed like they were acting like a couple. It alarmed Isabel so much that she ended up talking to Nicole later and explaining that she thinks that there's something going on between Chris and Aaron. And Nicole dismissed it right away and said Chris was helping this young lady as like a big brother type person. At the same time, Nicole was getting really frustrated with Chris's attitude and his behavior around the apartment. And so it was kind of relieving that 
suddenly Chris had someone else that he could talk to and Nicole didn't have to deal with that anymore. So she kind of liked the friendship in the beginning. But Nicole wouldn't like it for long. When we come back from the break, Aaron and Chris's friendship becomes something more. I want to tell you about another podcast you might like. It's called Unsolved. Unsolved is hosted by reporter Gina Barton at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. This season, she investigates a mysterious murder dating back 20 years. The victim was a Catholic priest named Friar Alfred Kunz. Someone slit his throat inside his parish school in 1998. Friar Kunz was very attached to ancient traditions, and he even did exorcisms. The colorful set of suspects includes a Marine claiming to be a clairvoyant and a man who feared the end of the world. You'll also get to hear audio of Friar Kuntz before his death. Learn why his beliefs and the group of people he called friends made his murder so hard to solve. Check out Unsolved Season 3, The Devil You Know, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode was supported by the new thriller The Moroccan Girl by Charles Cumming. The novel follows Kit Carradine, a spy novelist who finds himself recruited for a real-life espionage assignment. His readers have always wondered if his descriptions of life in the British intelligence are based on real experience with espionage. But the truth is, he's no more a spy than they are. Until an MI6 agent asks him to keep an eye on a mysterious woman in Marrakesh, Morocco. At first, he's excited for the opportunity. But as he learns more about his target and her ties to dangerous uprisings, he quickly finds himself in over his head. And soon, the novelty and glamour of real-life espionage gives way to much more sinister feelings of fear and betrayal. You can find a copy of Charles Cummings' The Moroccan Girl wherever books are sold. It's available in hardcover, ebook, and digital audio. Again, that's The Moroccan Girl by Charles Cumming. Or click the link in the show notes to learn more. Aaron Corwin and Chris Lee had forged a friendship, bonding over their depression. A friendship she frequently texted about with her best friend back in Tennessee, Jessie Trentum. As far as Chris, she had talked about him before, mainly just as a friend. And then she would start telling me, you know, the closer they got and everything and the farther apart her and John got. I've seen a spark in her again. A spark that would soon ignite. On Sundays, all the couples would get together and watch the AMC show The Walking Dead, except for Aaron, who really um, did not like the graphic violence of the show. And so on one of those Sundays in early February, Aaron um, was in the bedroom playing video games as all the other couples were in the living room watching the show. Chris had also had missed a few episodes of the show and said that he needed to catch up. So he joined Aaron in the bedroom to play video games while the other couples were in the living room watching the show. And as they were playing video games, at one point Chris leans over and he kisses Aaron for the first time. 
after he returned to his apartment, he texted her and was like, that was weird, and but I liked it or something like that. And they started texting back and forth. And that sets off an affair between the two of them. An affair Erin told no one about, except for her best friend, Jesse. In your opinion, what do you think that he, like, did for her? Like, what do you think that she was looking for? Or what do you think he he did to make her fall in love with him? I think at that point, it was mainly just the attention. While Aaron and Chris took some steps to hide the affair, they were not careful enough. On Valentine's Day 2014, they were all at Asling's apartment to watch the movie Moulin Rouge. And Aaron and Chris ended up being the only two people left in the apartment. At one point, Asling wakes up in the middle of the night to care for her kid. And she sees Chris hovering over Aaron on the couch. It wasn't until Valentine's night that I saw them kissing, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, what do I say and do right now? I remember just, like, standing there, like, in complete disbelief. Like, do I say something? Do I just act like I didn't see this? Like, I had no idea what to do. I don't even know how long after it was. I ended up having separate conversations with the both of them. And I said it to Chris first. I was like, look, you need to stop this because you're married with a child. Like, Nicole is the type of person, she finds out about your affair, she's going to ruin your life for ruining hers and liberties. Like, it's not worth it. It's, you know... I was like, you might think you're in love, but you're married. You've been with Nicole since you were 16. And he told me, I know, I know, I know, it needs to end. And he agreed to end it. I went for a walk with Erin, and I told her, I was like, look, you're hurting, you're upset, you know, you had a miscarriage, you're looking for love somewhere else. I was like, but you have me. Like, don't lie to my face. Just be honest and tell me. I was like, I'm not going to judge you for needing support or whatever. I was like, you can come to me at any time, but you guys need to end it now before you make any more mistakes. And I was like, I'm not going to tell John, and I'm not going to tell Nicole because it's not my business, it's not my place. You guys are going to doubt. If you want to confess to it what you've done, that's up to you. Chris and Aaron both told Asling the affair was over, but it wasn't. They kept texting and meeting up in secret. By April, Nicole had become suspicious. Chris had become very secretive with his phone. He was always texting. So after putting up with that for a while, Nicole finally got frustrated. And after one night when Chris got drunk and fell asleep early, Nicole took his phone, took the memory card out of his phone, and plugged it in her computer. And she was able to see all the text messages between Chris and Aaron. And Nicole woke up Chris in the middle of the night, just absolutely furious. And they had a huge blowout fight. Chris blamed the affair on his depression and said that, you know, he felt like he just had no one to talk to and it, you know, blossomed from there. So Nicole 
her solution was to keep Chris away from his phone and monitor him even more closely. So she made him go to counseling. Um, she took away his phone for a while and kept hold of it. And that kind of abruptly ceased the relationship between Chris and Aaron. I remember there was one day she came downstairs and she was like, I need to go somewhere, so can you watch Chris for me? Because he needs his phone for whatever. And I was just like, why are you still with a man if you need me to babysit him? Like, I have my own child. I don't need to babysit yours. Erin's friend Jessie immediately noticed a change in her. Was she sad when Chris stopped talking to her? I feel like she was because, I mean, even as they were just as friends, I mean, you, you just you just have someone that you talk to regularly just not talk to you. So I can see her being sad. The dynamic between all of the couples had shifted abruptly. Nicole also found out that Asling had known about the affair and hadn't said anything. And Nicole was really furious at Asling as well and said, I can't believe that you kept this from me. So there was really a strain now between the three couples who were really close and really, um, you know, always hung out together. Suddenly no one was talking and everyone knew about the affair. Asling and Connor, Chris and Nicole and Aaron, of course, except for John. Soon, that would change. One night, the couples gathered for a cookout, just a regular, casual night with friends. But something was different. Nicole comes downstairs a little while before, and she had a glass of liquor with her. She's like, I'm just drinking this. She's like, I need to calm myself down. She's like, I need a little liquid courage. I'm shaking right now. Oh, my God. John was standing in the kitchen, preparing food at the sink. She looks at me and I can see that she's like shaking and nervous. And all of a sudden, she's just like, hey, John, I have something to tell you. Chris has been having an affair with Evan. He like turns around and just looks at her for a second. And he's like, okay. And you can see that he was trying to like process it all. And so she starts telling him like everything that she knows and everything she's seen. And John just looks at me and he's like, can you go upstairs and get Erin? So I go knocking on our door and she like opens the door and like peeks out a little bit and she's like, what? I'm like, I need you to come downstairs. She's like, for what? I'm like, well, Nicole just told John about the affair. Like, everybody knows. She starts crying. She starts hyperventilating, like holding her throat. She's like, oh my God, I'm going to die. Like, he hates me, he's gonna hate me, he's gonna leave me. Completely freaking out. And there was part of me that, like, I felt bad and I just wanted to hug her and be like, you're gonna be fine. But the other part of me was just so angry at her and I was like, you don't see yourself, let's go. Erin comes downstairs from her apartment and a big blowout fight ensues. Nicole attacks Erin lunges at her, um, screaming at her, cussing at her. Erin ends up running back upstairs to a, her apartment. 
John like looked at me and he's like, I'm going to go upstairs and talk to her. Can you come with me? Because you're the one that knows the truth and I don't want her to be able to lie to me. Like, okay. So I had to go upstairs and sit there while John asked her question and he would like look at me and I would like shake my head yes or no whether it was the truth or not. Oh my God. And she asked John, like, do you want to work this out with me? And like, do you want to work on this? Do you want me to leave? Like, what do you want me to do? So we were up there for like two hours talking everything through. As quickly as it had started, the friendship between the Corwins, the Lees, and the Malikis was over. John decided he was going to work through the marriage and work through this. Both Chris and Aaron tried to diminish the affair as well and said that they had only kissed and that had never gone beyond that. That abruptly ceased all um, communication between the three couples. After that, they kept to themselves in their own apartments and really didn't socialize anymore for a while. Chris and Nicole, like, they kind of kept to themselves. I believe they were going to therapy, just trying to, like, work things out and fix things. John and Aaron definitely kept to themselves, and I kept to myself as well. We all just kind of, like, stayed quiet for a little bit and, like, let everyone sort themselves out. Aaron and John's relationship had become equally frosty. What happened with her and John after everyone found out about Chris? It just pushed him farther away. I think it got to the point where they were they were just mad at each other all the time. She ended up sitting on the couch. She didn't want to be with him. Did she ever say that he got violent? I feel like he would be one to storm off. He doesn't get violent, he just gets mad. Sometimes he might, like, explode, but he doesn't get violent. I feel like even if he was that mad, I feel like he would hurt her. Then, in June, Erin got a surprise. She was pregnant again. John had come downstairs and was like, hey, do you still have nausea medication because Erin's not feeling good? And I'm like, oh, yeah, definitely. So I gave him some, and he's like, does it take for pregnancy? And I'm like, well, yeah, of course. Like, that's what this guy wants for me. And he's like, all right, cool. I just wanted to make sure. And I was like, well, you know, tell her like, congratulations. Like, I'm happy for her. I know this is what she's wanted for so long. Like, but I'm happy for you guys. And he's like, all right, thanks. So I was sitting there for a little bit, and I was like, you know what? This is stupid. Like, I should just go say something to her. Like, I should just go congratulate her. Like, this can be my icebreaker. And so I opened my door, and I saw her, like, standing at the bottom of the stairs, and I walked out, and then I went to go talk to her, but she, like, ran back up the stairs away from me mm-hmm. into her apartment, and I was like, well, I'm not going to corner her in her own apartment, so, like, I guess I'll just leave it be. I never got a chance to talk to Erin mm-hmm. again. John seemed less enthused about this pregnancy and more concerned about the logistics and their financial situation. And at one point, he suggested that maybe Aaron move back to Tennessee, you know, and have the baby while John finishes up his career in the military. 
Though Erin was excited about the pregnancy, there was also something a bit different about her reaction this time around. Erin didn't post it on Facebook. She didn't tell her mom right away. Erin's 20th birthday was coming up, and so Laura was actually planning on visiting. And so Erin told John that she was going to wait and tell her mom in person that she was pregnant this time. At that point, I think her and John were just deciding and everything, and she was like, I just need like to get away for a while. Mm-hmm. She just wanted to get go and just get away from it all for a little bit. And that was one thing that I was, you know, happy for because, you know, she needed that break. And so one morning in late June, Erin woke at dawn. She told John she was going to go to Joshua Tree National Park to scout scenic spots for her mom's visit. She kissed her husband goodbye and headed off for the day. She never returned. Next time on Case Closed. You know, when he did not report her missing till the next day, people were just like, I can't believe he did that. I think this one was definitely the longest and most difficult search I've been on. So did, did you ever get the indication that anything was wrong um, before she went missing? No. We know that something happened out there. You know that something happened out there. And we just need to understand what happened out there. We're going to find her. We're going to be able to find out the truth when we find her. Okay? And we need to know that truth. That's what we're after here. Case Closed is a production of Macmillan Podcasts. The show is produced by Katie Ferguson with help from Becky Celestina, Camila Salazar, Sarah Grill, and Alyssa Martino. Huge thanks to Shanna Hogan. To learn more about Aaron Corwin's story, pick up a copy of Shanna's new book, Secrets of a Marine's Wife, available at any bookstore or as an audiobook February 26th. We'll be back with a new episode next Tuesday. I'm Charlie Spicer. Thanks so much for listening. If you can't wait for even more Case Closed, you're in luck. Our second season is already available right now, exclusively on Stitcher Premium. Season 2 focuses on Rusty Snyderman an Atlanta family man who was shot in the parking lot of his son's preschool. It's a totally different story, but just as captivating. Just go to stitcherpremium.com slash caseclosed, all one word, to listen now, and use the promo code CLOSED for a free month. That's stitcherpremium.com slash caseclosed and the promo code CLOSED.